Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Woohoo! We also have Bill Graham. Yeah! All right. We are here today uh, not to talk about any movie that actually has to do with vacations, as far as I know, but I chose that song because it talked about being gone for two weeks and vacations, and we were gone for a two-week vacation. It just seemed too perfect. Um... We are here today to talk about past lives, and to help us do that, we have a special guest. It's Sarah Vincent. Yay! Woo! <laughs> All right. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself to the uh, fine folks listening at home? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Vincent. I'm a Cambridge-based writer. I write for Cambridge Day, and I also have a blog called sarahgvincentviews.com. That's Sarah of an H. G and Vincent like Van Gogh, uh, sarahgvincentviews.com. Um, and Ooh. I just love movies. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. All right. Excellent. And that's Sarah with two A's as well as the H. Exactly. <laughs> it's not Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, a very rare but possible spelling of the name. So I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's called Mother Howl. It's by Craig Clevenger, uh, an author that I love, and the book is great so far. But there is a woman whose name is spelled S-E-R-A. Yes. And I have to assume that that's Sarah? It's possible. It's <laughs> My only other option is like Sarah or something? Maybe, yeah, like, it could be Sarah. I, Isn't I just Sarah think... the character from The Land Before Time? No, that's... That's with a C, not an S. Oh, Jesus. Because it's Triceratops, right? Mm, right. Okay, I literally, that makes sense. literally, that character is my paradigm for all Sarahs. And so now you're telling me it's Sarah. <laughs> it's like a, tri- her name is Sarah. Like no, I get it. Okay, but like a six year old is not going to know that. No. It's, it's, <laughs> I knew not. it when I was six. <laughs> All right. Why don't you suck a dick? Well, you don't don't like dinosaurs, so that's probably yeah. Fuck a dinosaur, honestly. So don't don't fuck a triceratops. That that would get nasty. Just to uh, just to double check myself, I was like, oh, maybe Robin's right. No, you're wrong. But I want to the landbeforetime.fandom.com. If if you look for Sarah on it, it says okay. What the fuck? It says okay, Sarah. Parentheses, also known as sweet but strong-willed Sarah, and then it says citation. What the needed. fuck? It says citation no. needed. That's not a thing. I like that they immediately are like. By the way, I don't know. My kid said this once, so I put it on this stupid <laughs> fandom wiki. Oh citation my goodness! Needed. Um. Anyway, Sarah is definitely not sweet. She is sassy, but sweet. No, she's like a sweet and sour sauce. You know, sweet and sour Sarah. That's what I call mm. her. I'm gonna put that on the fandom wiki for Sarah. 
<laughs> I'm going to add citation needed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should because, uh, well, actually, you could link to this podcast. That's a citation, right? <laughs> there you go. That's Don't it. do that. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to devote this podcast to just fucking up fandom wikis because uh, it's going to be like Brian Rowan said it could be true. We're going to get a message from Jordan, our benevolent Lord and Master, and being like, why do we have so many hits on this episode? This is really strange. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be my new way to like game our clicks, is just to go on to uh, the filmdom wikis and fuck everything up and link back to posts that we did. But anyway, uh, we're here to talk about Past Lives. This is a movie that is out in theaters now. Uh, the director and writer is Celine Song. And uh, we're excited to talk about it. Um, it's a great way for us to come back from our respective vacations. Uh, I was in the beaches of North Carolina. Robin was, I don't know, some developing country, correct? Yeah, the developing country of Scandinavia. Look, country stops developing, it dies. I'm sure it was it like five countries, and I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad that you have found the strength to come and talk to us about this movie uh, because I have not seen it. So I will not be taking part in this discussion. Oh, so, no. I know it's sad, but like, you know, I was on vacation and I just like I couldn't see this movie. So he's the audience proxy when we have these kinds of episodes. Yes. All right. Yep. I just stand off to the side and I go, interesting. Wow. Tell me more. <laughs> no, you're like, he did what? That sounds like shit. <laughs> I only did that during Armageddon time because it was insane and it sounded like shit. Anyway, <laughs> still haven't seen okay. that movie. Um, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. It, it's, uh, that's yeah, very definitely mixed. what it sounded like. So I'm glad that I got It has that. poignant moments that are quite touching. Yes. yes. And I, I was more into, into the performances of the movie than like, the framing of the movie. Anthony Hopkins needs to stop being excellent. Like, I can't take it. <laughs> what? He's, like, devastating me every single time I see him. Between that and the father, like, what are you doing, sir? Oh, I was going to say it. his yeah. Twitter feed, but yeah. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. He, what a late stage bloomer. And and also an early stage bloomer. <laughs> yeah, and a middle he's only stage been working bloomer. consistently for 40 fucking years. <laughs> I know. Anyway, um, he's not in this movie. He is not. No, no. yeah, he, he doesn't play one of the characters' grandfathers. He does not. If he did, it would have been amazing. <laughs> there are like three actors in this movie, though, and I right. don't think he is one of them. Yeah, no. but if you you think if he said to them, "I would love to be in your movie," they wouldn't have given him like a like a Judd Hirsch style. In they would have made uh, him the bartender. Scene. They'd make him the bartender. What a flash fry for Judd Hirsch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Just comes in and pretends to rip his shirt open and goes, ah, Anthony would have been the whole budget. Put my head in a lion's mouth. Anyway, I don't know why I'm ripping on the Fablemans right now. <laughs> anyway. I didn't recognize him at first, by the way. When I saw him, I was like, oh, he's tanned. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, I don't even... It's been so long. What am I supposed to do right now? I don't know. I guess uh, follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show, email us podcast at filmstage.com, give us a comment or rating on iTunes. Don't bother looking for us on Stitcher. That thing doesn't exist anymore. Um, Ooh. <laughs> yes, uh, let's all pour one out for Stitcher, a podcatcher that I never fully understood. Rest in peace. 
It was one of those things where, like, I would be listening to a podcast. And they're like, you can find us on Stitcher now. I'm like, do you have to apply for it? Like, what? <laughs> like, this sounds like a terrible service. Um, but anyway, that's that. Uh, super excited to be here. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. One dollar an episode helps us to create stuff and put food on our plates and movies in our eyeballs. And um, you can also join our super cool Slack channel and get first crack at all of our uh, raffles and stuff. What else? We're brought to you today by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. I was uh, looking around Mubi the other day, and I found a a movie that I really want to talk about. Uh, Now showing on Mubi is a movie called Soller's Point. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of this. No. No. So I actually saw this movie at the Maryland uh, International Film Festival. Um, it was pretty awesome. Uh, this was like their opening night movie. I went to go see it at the like Stavros Nachos. I can't even remember. Parkway Cinema, which is an interesting cinema in Baltimore. If you're anyone's in Baltimore, I know we have some listeners there. Um, this is a great theater. Go to see it. They restored it, but they didn't update it, like, at all. So there's parts of the wall where, like, it seems as though the plaster's crumbling. It's, like, there's parts that are exposed. Like, they haven't completely rehabbed it. It's almost like they froze it in its current state of decay. But it's still, like, very comfortable and really great presentation. And uh, it's awesome. But anyway, so I saw Soller's Point there. Um, it's pretty awesome. It actually takes place, uh, in the Baltimore area. So that's cool. Starring Jim Belushi and Zazie Beetz as working class inhabitants of Baltimore, this critically acclaimed film thrums with a frustration that has little more than a metal music as release. Born and bred in the fractious city, Matthew Potterfield resists sentimentalism, sentimentalization and lays its dead ends bare. This is a really great movie. Uh, to harken back to a pre-recording conversation we were having, it is only 102 minutes long. And um, nice. it's great. Mm-hmm. So go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of movie, and you can check out Soller's Point. Uh, one of these movies where I'm just like, I hope this gets a, like, I hope people see this. And now thanks to the people at Mubi, they're fine, wonderful, attractive, brilliant curators, uh, you have a chance to. So once again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi. Go do that. Check it out. Um, Before we begin, I, I, I actually, when we were having our little pre-record conversation, I saw that they uh, we had talked a couple weeks ago about Julian Sands. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. They, they found his remains. So I just yeah. want to give a quick rest in peace to Julian Sands. <laughs> uh, prayers going out to his family and friends. That's... It's awful, but I guess it's better than never finding anything. It's yeah, it's closure. Place. Yeah, so, that's horrible. Yeah, very sad about that. Um, so so yes. they confirmed that it's his body. Yeah, yeah it was like today. in the Hollywood Reporter and the New York Times. It's oh uh, yeah, so that's sad. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, one one time with love in my heart, a final oh shit, it's Julian Sands. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else we got to talk about? No, I think we should dive in. It's been two fucking weeks. It feels like there should be more. I don't know. Turner Classic Movies is dying, maybe. I missed all yeah. the movies of June, so I don't even know. <laughs> they don't have, I have movies to go see in the Flash now. 
Oh, you think I have time? Are you serious? I didn't even have time to sleep. Oh, uh, there were pickled fish to eat and yeah. weird buildings nice. to stare at. Yeah. Did you eat pickled fish? I had so much pickled fish. <laughs> I was making a joke. It's kind of sad that it actually happened. Why? Herring is great. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So you were yeah. in Denmark. You were in Denmark. Thank you. Oh, yep. I was in Denmark. I was in Stockholm. Nice. I was in Norway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they and it's just amazing food, honestly. You think you're not going to like it, but it's yes! really good. That's exactly my experience. The, like, it does not have the food rep of like Spain or Italy or whatever, Greece. And the food was like more consistent in quality than anywhere else that we have traveled recently. It was just like banger after banger. And honestly, coming back, and I haven't been there since like the 90s, but what coming back, I found it really hard to get adjusted to our meat and our fish again because it the quality, yeah. it's like night and day. Yeah. And we're both carnivores, as we've recently learned. So. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. My oh. carnivore count was high on this trip, let me tell you. <laughs> Be it like me great. and uh, buy all of your proteins from a farmer's market. Nice. Shout I tried, but Walt can they get Farms me reindeer? And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll talk to Lori and I'll see if I can get you some reindeer. I oh. need reindeer again. All it's right. my favorite new meat. I'll talk to I've my I've never guy. had that. Is it really good? What does it it's taste like? so good. It's, it's like... Gamey as shit, right? It's, it's gamey, but it's like the way lamb is gamey. Ooh. Oh, okay. Interesting. But like, just good. Oh, so good. Cool. Can I have some? I want some. <laughs> I, I want when I figure out how to bring it back. Yeah. I know a shit ton of farmers. I will I will find you a place that makes reindeer in America. Nice. Thank Woo-hoo. you. Yes. All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh so that's that. Uh let's talk about this movie that I didn't see. <laughs> um give my voice a rest to help me ease back into uh p- producing a podcast. So this movie is Past Lives. According to IMDb, <laughs> uh, Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart. Are rest apart? Is that correct? It's very anyway. dramatic. Uh, yeah. After Nora's family emigrates from South Korea, 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Uh, again, this movie written and directed by Celine Strong, uh, released by A24. Uh, which is a, a thing that we all love, I think. We tend yes. to enjoy their output, question yeah. mark. Great. So, uh, excited to listen to you people talk about it. And before we get into that, here is the trailer. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. That is part of the trailer for Past Lives. This movie, again, out in theaters now in a fairly wide release. So let's see what we thought about it. We begin, as always, with our guest, Sarah Vincent. What were your thoughts on Past Lives? I enjoyed it. I did have a little issue with the pacing, but the photography, um, the cinematography, the direction, superb, the acting across the board phenomenal um if i had to if i had a soapy's choice sort of thing i had to do i'd choose greta lee as like she was just utterly a revelation um 
on TikTok, they talk about, you know, you don't see desire in films anymore. And she's just smoldering and she's just very like not fetishized at all. And yet she is so smoldering and this, this sense of desire. She It's really one of the, I would say it's my second favorite performance of the year from a, wow. an, a woman actor. Yeah. What's your favorite? Um, no, I don't remember her name, but um, a thousand, thousand and one. The oh, woman yes, who was yeah. in that, that was maybe my favorite performance of the year, um, hands down. But I would say Greta Lee is a close second. Hmm. All right. Bill Graham, what about yourself? So let me see here. Um, I had seen the trailer like a lot of people and I had been kind of touched by the trailer. I, th- I thought it was a pretty damn good trailer. It kind of sold what it was about. Um, it did a good job of it. Um, and so I was looking forward to it. My wife was looking forward to it and we both walked out and loved it. Um mm. Okay, I think it's crazy because you were the way you were building it up. You're like, I was looking forward. Yeah, to it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She was also no. looking forward. I was like, yeah, this. burn it down. And then, and then you're like, we both walked out of it, loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Very American <laughs> Idol. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. I loved, loved it. it. Yeah, yeah. There's, like a, yeah, yeah. there's like a Key and Peele sketch where it's like, Chef, I need you to like. It's like a like a cooking show. It's like I need you to get out. Because this is so delicious <laughs> in a world where delicious is awful. And by awful, I mean wonderful. And it just goes <laughs> Anyway, so you loved yeah. it. I loved it. Yeah. And it, it's it's funny because usually when we're coming back from the theater, I'll usually put on a podcast about that film almost immediately. You know, because a lot of times she's just kind of kind of decompressing kind of formulating her own thoughts and i like to just kind of get into it uh almost immediately and this time uh i was like eh, i i think i kind of want to talk to you about this and so we had a long discussion about like fate and about um you know our own history our relationships things like that so um it, it you know, I think there's a lot to discuss in this film about what someone, you know, what certain characters do and don't do, uh, how they react to certain situations. It's fascinating to hear that the director kind of went through something similar to this. Um, and that's what it's kind of loosely based on. And yeah, I, I think I think this is definitely a conversation starter film. Um and I, I thought it lived up to the hype that it was kind of, you know, billed as uh, it's funny in the trailer. It says like, you know, the first great uh, movie of the year or something like that. And just like, oh, come on, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it immensely. So um, I'm very curious to see where everybody else is. And, you know, as it kind of rolls along. Uh, seeing if it kind of picks up some traction. First great movie of the year is also difficult because, like, when did this person see that movie? Like, if right. they saw or it, it, if they, they saw probably it, saw it, it at Sunday. Well, you know, I mean, Slim Pickens. It, it's like there is a moment <laughs> where your number one movie of the year is the first and only movie you've seen that year. Sure. Yeah, year this, this is like, the best movie I've seen this year. You know, yeah, yeah the first movie. Like sure. I walk out of the commuter or cold pursuit. And I was like, <laughs> best of the year. 
so far. <laughs> you know, that sort, of ha- saw it. that sort of happened to me. The first movie I saw of the year was like Glass. And even then I was like, this is not the best movie of the year. It's probably the worst movie of <laughs> the year. You know what's crazy? I was about to bring that up, but I was about to say the opposite. Where like oh, really? Glass, Glass is one of those movies where I was like, look. I've only seen like two movies this year, <laughs> but I think this is one of the best movies of the year, and it stayed in my top ten. Oh, really? Yeah, I see. I, I really, that. I really liked Split, and I really liked Unbreakable. I know that's controversial because of the ending was kind of abrupt, but those I loved those two. And then for me, Glass was like, wah, wah. no, I wrote like, uh, I think I wrote a review for it, and then Ooh. I think Jordan was like. This is not a review. This is you like writing an essay. I need you to write an actual review, but I'd also <laughs> like to publish this essay. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll try writing a more normal ass review. Oh, I, I want to check it out. I'll have to check that out later. Yes. Um, All good reviews are essays. Come on. I just feel like I, like I, I especially have trouble writing like a conventional review, but I remember sending it to him and I was like, I might need to like try this again. Cause it was truly like, I'd really gone off the level. Oh, I do that. I do that. Poor. I just like, you know, shout out to Tom Meek for like putting up with me. Thank you. Tom. It's like every once in a while. It's like, you know, this is like 4,000 words about your own personal relationship with God. And you never even mentioned the movie. And it's like, yeah, but like in a way, isn't that the best review of all? <laughs> I did that with Asteroid City and I just totally tortured him. And he was like, what is it about? <laughs> I tried to write a review of uh, The Hidden Life. And yeah, again, like 3000 words, like definitely talked about the movie, but it was just like, this is the type of movie that makes you want to be a better human being. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I had fun. I had fun. Excellent. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, I will just start off by saying that I I liked, but didn't love this movie. Um, Uh. Yeah. You know, I know that it's like a huge critical hit. I'm glad that other folks enjoyed it to the level that they did i found it uh to sort of paraphrase or to go off of what sarah was saying it's a little bit of a sleepy movie you can definitely tell that the director writer director is a playwright by nature um because there's something i don't want to say stagey because i don't mean to diminish the the movie but there is something stagey about the way that it's put together you know it's a, a cast of three uh the the settings, you know, it, while they're beautifully composed, they're not the most, you know, dynamic spaces. Um, so there is something sort of theatrical about about the story. Um, I thought my favorite performance was honestly uh, Teo Yu as Hesong. Um, there's something so enigmatic about his about this, the way that he performs as him, and he's such an interesting character. I, I. I like Greta Lee. I actually really love Greta Lee. Like she's one of, in my opinion, one of the best uh, comedic actresses out there. It was so interesting to see her in a dramatic role. And I thought she did very well. I did struggle sometimes with some of her cadences. Like, I don't know if it was something about the, the way she paused in between words, but it was it was almost like the words that she was sharing on screen just felt a little bit choppy. Like her sentences felt choppy and maybe that's a directing thing. I don't know if that's an artistic choice thing. Maybe that's her, I don't know, telling us something about the character and the way that she contemplates. Um, But that, 
it, it just sort of got on my nerves. Um, not saying it wasn't a good performance. It was just like that particular quirk of the performance. Uh, I had a hard time sort of grokking in a way. Overall, I really liked it. I thought the themes of basically, you know, not regret per se, but how emigration, you know, makes you think of the what ifs and what would have my life had been like had we stayed? What would be my life if, um, you know, if I had made different choices or the people who were in charge of my life made different choices? And, you know, that that was the strongest element for me over the over the romance, I would say, um, you know, as somebody who, you know, moved around a lot as a kid, like I certainly uh, I certainly, you know, empathized with that character and, you know, thinking about like, well, what if that had been a little bit different? What if we had stayed? What if we had you know done this or that? Um, you know, it's, it's I think it's very relatable to, to anybody, honestly. Um, but I do think a better version of that theme is a movie like The Farewell. Um, of course, that movie is not a romance, but it is very much about the people that we leave behind when when you, you know, hop the borders. And that movie is also very funny. So maybe I prefer that. But uh, overall, uh, a, a good, solid movie, in my opinion. Oh. I'm kind of like you there. I, I really relate to what you're saying because... For me, okay, so just full disclosure, and I want to give it one more shout out to Allie Johnson, who is um, the editor-in-chief at In Between Drafts and also the senior writer at Cambridge Day, um, probably Tom Meek's uh, footsteps. Uh, and, um, <laughs> like, she wrote the review on this, and I was so glad that she got the assignment because she, like, really connected with the movie. And when I watched it, I was like, my review would not have been as good because I the romance... I'm not into romance movies. And for me, I'm glad I knew that this was about the director because one of my complaints would have been otherwise, why is this woman being defined by the men in her life mm. as opposed to the guy got um, to use character. He had friends and she didn't yeah. get them. She references them. And I'm like, yeah, right. Bullshit. You don't have any friends. Right. Like, yeah. where are they? Where like, are they to, like, bounce off of? Yeah, you like, can you imagine them. going to your husband and being like, my ex-lover is in town. Like, no, bitch, you go to your girlfriends on <laughs> right. Facebook Messenger Wait, first. <laughs> Wait, are, are they, were they lovers? It said they were childhood friends. No, the... they're not. They're not. But, but it's no, like, it's a yearning it, of, yeah. like, what could have been. Like, if she had stayed there, maybe he would have been her first love. Yeah, there, there's a certain element of, like, unsatisfied eroticism to this movie, and and that works fairly well. Like there are some scenes, my favorite part of the movie. Um, I don't think this is spoilers, but so, so the story is these two characters are childhood friends. I don't even know if they're that close, but they're, they're, you know, rivals at school a little bit. Oh, they're they're definitely smart. close. They're close. Yeah. But like, I don't know how close they are. They're, it's sort of like one of those hidden friendships where it's like, you know, where it's like the the two of them know that they're friends, but maybe other people don't know that they're friends. Like it had that sort of mystery quality to me. Like, and and those kinds of things definitely exist. Um, so they're they're close. They were like you know middle school age, roughly. Her parents are artists, and they decide they can make it in America. I guess. Um, and so well, she, North 
uh, yeah, make it in North America. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, essentially, they moved to Canada. Like yeah. she and her parents and her sister moved to Canada, and uh, her, you know, not boyfriend. This this bo- this guy friend of hers stays behind, and then years later they connect. I think over Facebook. It's just one of those random things, and they start this uh, Skype relationship. Which if anybody has ever had one of those, it was extremely relatable. Uh, and they're also doing it a different time. Um, sorry, not time slots, um, time, zones. time zones. And that causes a lot of chaos in her life specifically because she always felt like, or in the movie, she feels like she's not living her life. She's living to talk to him. And that, you know, when her friends are out or when, you know, people are doing things together, she's in her studio apartment talking to him on Skype. And I found that extremely relatable. Um, And I just love those sequences so much. And it's so heartbreaking when she just has to like cut it off one day. And then years later, after she is married and out of her twenties, he comes to the United States on a visit and they have like a couple of days to reconnect. And there is such a strong chemistry between them but that's it, you know, like that, that she has to sort of reckon with that. Um, and no spoilers yet on that one, but that's essentially the, you know, the log line of the movie. Yeah. It's a very French movie. Yes. <laughs> In the sense that like the husband, I loved the character, John Magaro. I, mm-hmm. he, in a movie where he could have, like, uh, the wrong actor would have ruined it, ruined yeah. that role. And he did it perfectly. And I was, like, relating to him, and which was also a surprise. And just his, it was just a very sophisticated, unexpected performance. And it really, for me, was a great, you know, it's one of those where, one of those movies where all three actors have to be really strong and he really held his own when he could have, like, if you played it too far one way, it becomes just a typical American jealous performance. And if you play it the other way, you're this like lame ass, like, cuck you're dude, a cuck. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate using that term, but it's the only thing I can think of. Oh, it's um, like my favorite word. <laughs> I'm like, it oh is, no, they're... she is not lying. It's thrown out a lot. I, was like, I am oh, the Roman Roy of this family. <laughs> I was like, oh no, am I using a right wing term? I don't want to do that, but okay, it's a safe oh, man, space. If and that's it's it would be <laughs> awesome if the right wing was the only people who were allowed to say cuck. Yeah, no. such a powerful tool from the tool belt of the left. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did a great job. I mean, he really like walks that like fine line of what he's supposed to do. It's a superb performance of like. I feel like there have been a lot of good husband performances this year. Um, and he definitely falls in more. the category. Yeah, um, yeah. So are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. Benny. Yeah. I, was I say, love you. You hurt my feelings. Yes. <laughs> Bias. Yes. That was also what I was. Yes, I was thinking about him. I'm, I'm sure there are more, but that's. I was thinking about him as well. So you beat me to the punch. Oh yeah. There are a lot of good husband performances this year. Uh, yeah. I'm ready for true. men to be relegated to husband. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what, what does that mean? I don't it understand. It means like every 
and this is obviously hyperbolic, but like every performance I guess an Oscar nom is like some sad wife. No, just, like, some yeah. sad wife. Some would well, yeah, be a bitch, a little bitch sad cry. husband. Because <laughs> um, your ex-lover <laughs> came back. He's not really your lover. Sure, or or broken husbands in some way, right? They're they're either evil or they're bad or they're you know. Yeah, you know, always sleeping around, you know. Yeah, it's a bunch yeah. of it's a real bunch of Don Drapers. Oh, there were two husbands in Knock at the Cabin. True. Mm. I wouldn't True. put them on my list. No, mm. I feel like they kind no. of failed, but well, uh, yeah, you know, you like it's not no, they failed. No, failed. Oh, they kind of failed I at agree. the end there. Yeah, I, I mean, like we love them, but you know, they didn't quite knock it out of the park, wise. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no spoilers for that. I know. I kind of like want to spoil. Like I'm like, if that's what happens to you and you're a great husband, I hate to see a bad one. <laughs> I think oh. one of the things that I, I want to kind of recontextualize here is that, like, uh, Greta Lee's character full on is asked at one point while she's a child, while she's a 12 year old child, you know, whether she. Uh, has a boyfriend she mentions you know uh what's his name hey song um mm-hmm. she mentions him and then she even says like yeah i'm gonna marry him like this is this is a full-on like 12 year old romance like i i there she's writing on his arm at some point in the middle of class like writing little hearts on it i mean that's like, how you they, know it's they walk home they <laughs> walk home together every single day like yeah, I, I think I think for sure this is this is definitely like a 12 year old romance. Like they are very close to each other. They compete in, you know, class. He even mentions like, you know, at, at some point he mentions that he's kind of bragging and he's like, I finally beat you. You know, I scored number one and she's just been down and dumped or down and out this entire walk home. And he's like. Are you seriously moping because I beat you one time? You always beat me and I never mope. Like, what is this? And so, you know, there's a little competitiveness there. Um, yeah, I, I think I think this is a full full on, like, you know, as as much as we want to go at 12 year olds. Uh, yeah, full on 12 year old romance to me. They're like buddies and it could have been more. But at 12, what do you want from them? <laughs> That was saying, like, Robin what's a romance when you're 12? Full force. <laughs> oh, and, and especially in South Korea, where things seem very buttoned up. But that's like, my point, is like they're 12. Like it the whole the whole um crux of this movie is that they were never really romantically involved. It, it so wasn't like 12 years that? old. Or are you I know. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. It makes me feel weird. No, <laughs> what I'm saying is like let's say, you know, in another version of this movie maybe, maybe they were 16, 17, 18 when she left for the US or something. Like this movie is very much about a never was, not a we used to be. Yes. Sure. And that is but but I think thing. Yeah, is that what what Robin's saying, or is no? I'm just saying that's what makes this movie unique is that it's not really about an ex lover or an ex boyfriend. Mm. It's about somebody that ignited you, but you never, you were never able to um, have any satisfaction from that. Like a good example 
to me of another movie like this is uh, Pedro Almodovar's Bad Education, which it also plays with time and cast and what have you and, you know, romances, but it's it's essentially about these two boys who meet uh, at a Catholic, you know, boarding school and they fall in love. They're like 10 years old, but they fall in love and then they're separated because of a, of a priest that's, you know, abusing one of them and he, mm. the priest is jealous. So he expels the other boy and the boys, you know, they experiment a little, but it's, it never became this full blown romance and things only come to fruition later when they're much older and you kind of find out what happened to them in the interim. But to me, that's also such a, a unique story. You know, they weren't really ex-boyfriends. It was like the it was like the one that got away. That's what it that's what makes it so interesting. God, that is yeah. such a great analogy. Ooh, I, I think yeah. the I think the other thing that's interesting about this, and and they kind of talk about this when uh Haesung, you know, mentions that he had been kind of looking for Greta Lee's character now named Nora is that she went by Na Young at first. And then when they immigrated, they took on, uh, as a lot of families do, um, they took on Americanized names. And so now she's Nora and she, she even has like a different last name. I thought, um, not just because she gets married, but uh, I think she has a different last name as well. So it's funny because, you know, you're like, oh, well, if this was like something that this guy like clearly wanted to like keep tabs on or like follow up on, he should have just, you know, once Facebook was invented, right, he should have been like just search for her, you know, if he was really that curious, but it was like, Oh no. And I, I won't give away how they kind of uh, end up connecting. Cause I think, I think that's a little, a nice little touch um, hidden gem in that movie. But um, I do think it's funny that it's like, Oh no, no, no. She didn't tell you that she changed her name. And then now it's just like, well, I don't ever see a not young on Facebook. So I don't know where the fuck this lady is. And then all of a sudden he finds her and connects with her. Um, and I think that's really interesting as well. Um, it's, it makes you realize like how much of, of this story is so specific to Celine's song because, you know, she kind of lived this experience. She had this, but it's like, Oh, like a, 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 you know, to be broad, right? A dumb American would be like, wait, why would you change your name? You know, like, you know, that wouldn't make any sense to an Americanized kind of, you know, writer or director or things like that in a lot of ways. Um, So this is definitely like a, a very, you know, specific immigrant story in this way. That's, you know, kind of makes you go, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that makes sense. I really, that's actually the perspective that I was really interested in this idea of a Korean diaspora. Um, probably mispronouncing that word because I read it more than I say it. Um, diaspora? Diaspora. Um, because usually, <laughs> I, like, I like it said like that. But I'm also <laughs> a, a uh, what what is it? A, a what's the, the biography? Uh, biopic. Movie? Yeah, biopic. 
I, yes. I say biopic. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. You are truly the Yogi Berra of this podcast. <laughs> I really enjoyed this story as a, that kind of story. I'm not going to try and attempt it again. Um, because Diaspora. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, not two or tens in a row. Um, because usually you get like either an adoptee story, like someone from America returning to Korea, um, or you get a Korean perspective of an American coming, um, to Korea. I'm thinking about return to Seoul and, um, burning. Mm. Um, but this is very different because it's about someone who decides I'm not coming back. I'm happy where I am. I want to stay here and I'm going to make all the choices to stay here. That's very unusual. I feel like now um, to yeah, not there have that a... yearning of like, I need to mm-hmm. go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this p- particularly with like a potential lover, <laughs> you know, in, in North Korea or South Korea, uh, sorry, <laughs> in South Korea, you know, you would think like that pool would be particularly strong and it's like, nah, I'm good here. Why don't you come here? You know, um, so I think I think that's so so interesting, um, in particular in in this film as well. And there was a loneliness to her, so that's why when she said, oh, "I have friends," and she talks about her friends, I'm like, "Bullshit! You don't have friends <laughs> because it's <laughs> ripping like, this poor girl apart." Like, this I well, I just doesn't have any it. friends. Because there's that shot when she first immigrates and she's in the schoolyard and she's by herself and we see her at work and we see her finally socializing when she goes to the writing retreat, but socializing with her husband, her future husband. I know exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what you're saying is she's like one of those chicks, like a boyfriend chick. Maybe. I mean, if she does have friends, you know, I don't believe it based on the story and what I'm being presented. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. This whole like, oh, you know, she has a very lonely existence. Like she has problems connecting. Um, I thought it was really interesting. You know, um, I was just about to spoil something huge. Okay, never mind. I'm going to stop. I cause, well, uh, no, Bill, let's go into spoilers. Spoilers? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Do let's it. do it. I, I, think, I, I think we're ready. <laughs> so when she realized so she's talking to her mom that's how she connects with him because they're like tooling around doing playing this game of like what happened to this person what happened to that person um and then she when she realizes when she looks up this guy he has written on her father's facebook movies website uh on the facebook the movies website's facebook page and that moment made me go okay so when you're not working and you're not writing. You talk to your mom, which is fine. She misses her. Yeah, loser yeah. alert. But even I, <laughs> and I would say, like, I, you know, if I want to talk to my mom, I take care of my mom. For those who are listening, I take care of my mom. She lives with me. I don't live with her. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're not talking on my off hours, maybe because I do live with her. So when someone's talking to their mom, they really love them, number one. But that probably means that's her closest friend. And then she ditches her. We never hear her talk to them again. But I feel um, like you were pointing to all these things I didn't even realize when I was watching the movie. I because um, I'm just like as someone who you know, I, you know, I I'm an ambitious. So what I thought was really interesting about Ali's review was, and again, I'm such a fan, um, how she connected that the love story is really also with her ambition. And as someone who's very ambitious, 
I was like, mm, yeah, she's ambitious. But like an ambitious person also, I sort of feel like, does sort of give guys the short shrift and these guys really get a centralized role in her life. Like they play a very important role and she loves them. I, she doesn't like treat them like, okay, I, you're nice to have around because I need a guy. She really loves them and which is beautiful and is a very, you know, resonant part of the story. But I, you know, I didn't get that. And that's why the review was so revelatory for me because I was like, oh, she's ambitious. <laughs> like I, it, it, everything felt like sort of a backseat to this story, which is deliberate framing. Um, but it, there is something to, it's a very interesting balance. The choices she makes is because of her ambition, but her ambition allows her one thing. Like you get one candy, you get one sweet, Mm. you get one treat and it's a dude and there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Um, but like for her, that's how I read her as a character. She's like, it's work. And then I get one thing and it's a guy. Sure. And I think part of it is also she's an immigrant. Part of it is also she's she is in a very dog eat dog world mm-hmm. of like trying to be a writer, trying to be a playwright. Like, you know, th- there is a, a bit of a camaraderie there, but it's also like but you know, I know this from like, you know, the actor side as well, not that I'm an actor, but I I heard this as well, where it's like, yeah, there's a camaraderie, but also don't fucking take my part. Like, right. you're, oh, you're, you're showing up for this reading as well. You know, you can imagine like you live in New York city. Holy fuck. Like everybody's a playwright, you know, it's, it's totally. that joke in LA. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a waiter, but also I've here's my CV. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, it's like all of this shit. So it's just like everywhere you go, you're like, fuck, like everybody's doing the same fucking thing over here. So I imagine it's, it's also very like having that immigrant experience, having that drive. And, you know, she mentions at one point uh, her and John Magaro are having like a, like a, you know, a, a little bit of a, well, actually it's a, it's a beautiful sequence, but they're in bed together and they're talking about John is asking her like, you know, is this the immigrant experience that your parents dreamt for you? And she's like, don't do that to me. And at some point she even mentions like, you know, he's, he's like, you're, you opened up the world to me and she kind of downplays it. And she's like, I'm just an immigrant from Korea. I'm not that special. Like, don't, don't make me, don't exoticize me just to exoticize me. Right. Like I'm, I'm not that crazy unique. Um, And so I think it's interesting because, yeah, I can see her having kind of, you know, and and in particular, she's a woman as well, right? Like, fuck, all of this on on top of being a woman, like, I just imagine that she's probably just like, look, I'm I'm in my 30s. I got to fucking get this done. We got to go. You know, I can't just be sitting here. Um, I got to make something of my life also because I want to live in the most expensive U.S. city known to man. You know, it's just like Jesus. So um, and even, you know, they they kind of joke that that's part of their relationship. John and her is that, you know, they were both at this art installation, uh, art retreat. What what are they at? There's some kind of like yeah shared shared 
you know, space with artists. Looks like up a, in Canada. a writer's retreat. Yeah, like yeah, a writer's, a writer's workshop retreat. retreat or something. Yeah, up in Canada, and then they realize, oh, you're you're from New York too. Oh, well, we should like when we go back to New York, we should room together because that would be much cheaper to do that, right? And it's just like, yeah, you know. So all of these conveniences are kind of there. Sorry, I hit my mic. Um, all of those conveniences are there. So I think I think there's so much interesting like kind of background that she has. And I think Haesung also is like, he's, he's impressed by her because he knows she's very driven. You know, I think at first it's a joke that at 12 years old, she wants to win like a Nobel prize. It's like, right. all right, settle the fuck down. But every time he kind of pops back into her life, he's, he's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what's this exceptional thing that you want to do? I can't remember what it is at 24, but I know what it is at 36. And that's the win of Tony, you know, a Pulitzer prize. 24 was Pulitzer prize. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah. So it's, it's been whittled down. <laughs> let me just get a Tony. Yeah. How let me be that? modest. I'll just get a Tony. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Like, so that loneliness quality and then that connection with the husband, I love so visually the scene that was maybe my favorite, even though I'm totally like New York city porn. I love seeing that's my hometown. So I love, Oh, I shot. knew it. I, I love it. I love any shot where you get to see the city landscape and go, I know we're there. Um, but for me, my favorite shot is, shot is when she's in bed at the writer's retreat and there's like a window over her head and then he comes and you see the car come and we have this theme of dreaming in the story and it's almost like she, he's like a bubble, but it's a square above her head of like what she's dreaming. Like we're visualizing what she's going to be dreaming about and it's him. And it's just one of those moments where I was like, oh, like that for me was the romance part that I really connected with me. Like I immediately, I mean, we knew because we saw the opening scene, which by the way, actually one of my pet peeves is how we got here scenes. I don't like that generally. And I'm not. Give an example. Oh, so like, it's like you see a scene that's going to happen later on in the movie and you get a snapshot of it at the beginning. And then the rest of the movie, you're just waiting to arrive at that scene to find out when the end is. I've never enjoyed that. uh and media res yes yes i i'm not a fan of it because i feel like it leeches out tension it makes me know where i am when i get to where we're going you know mm-hmm. so i'm not a fan of it i didn't mind it but i I, some, I usually despise it and i didn't mind it but i did love so my favorite scene was when you you know you see the window above her head and she's just dreaming and she's lying in bed and she's peaceful and she doesn't even know that like you know, this person has walked into her life that's going to be really meaningful. And it's just a beautiful scene. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Dreaming of her husband, her future (laughs) husband. Yeah, I don't. I'm not completely dead inside. I will allow a few. I'll allow a few romantic. Moments. I, yeah, I'm not a big romance person. I'm much more interested <laughs> in in friendship movies and things like that. But yeah. I what I do find interesting, and I I suppose uh, I'll use this word again, relatable, is that I have a really wonderful marriage. I love my husband. Like we're so we're just like in a very good place, and we have been for as long as we've been together. Um, But, you know, it's not, it's not the storybook that you kind of imagine when you were little. Like when I was a kid, I was very boy crazy and always imagining 
these meet cutes and like these, you know, fantasy husbands and, you know, because like everybody is impacted by the culture around us. Like, and I just happen to the be things you watch. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I will absolutely cop to being one of those little girls. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I always had a crush. I always had this and that. And, uh, the, you know, the relationships that I, not even relationships, but the friendships and the crushes that I had at whatever age 12 to like 22 were just so intense. And you think like, this is it. This is the the romance mm-hmm. that we're always going to be like, this is our story. And it never works out. And then, <laughs> you know, then you meet the person that you actually connect with and fall in love with them and whatever. And, and I have a nice story with my husband. You know, we met in high school, but it wasn't we weren't, you know, uh, high school like sweethearts. contradicting yourself. No, but what I'm saying is like we weren't close. It wasn't like, um, oh, yeah, we were best friends and then we became you know, best lover. It's like, it wasn't like that. It was just like, oh, like Nick's funny. I like him. Um, best I'm sure he feels the same way because we, I've asked him, I was like, were you, did you, were you attracted to me when we were in high school? And we're both just like, absolutely not. Like <laughs> we're You're both gross and weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like his mother cut his hair and got <laughs> his clothes and uh, he had a glow up and I had a glow up. So I can relate to the, the you know feeling like the carbonation got a little flat or something and i'm not saying that even that that that's a problem in my relationship because it's not like i have a fabulous relationship but it's not the storybook sexualized thing that you have when you're like 20 and your hormones are going crazy you know well i I mean i think i think it's funny because I think I think that's their story is that in a way like what's more romantic than like going on a retreat and falling in love with your husband at that retreat that also is a writer like two writers falling like it, it is kind of their parents or, or her parents in a way mm. right two writers that you know immigrate to uh canada to try and you know chase their dreams and then you know what does she end up with another another artist as a husband like like how beautiful is that you know um i think i think it's interesting because he kind of downplays it and in a way, I think his insecurity is that the way that a lot of people meet, it's it's a house of cards. And this is something that Erica and I discussed on our way back. And like, you know, I kind of mentioned to her is like, you know, had I not done X, Y and Z, I would have never been in her presence. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't like she went to high school with me. Um, it was. No, I literally was coaching a CrossFit class in in the early AM in a city I had never lived in. I had been there for about four or five months, and she had just moved back from Chicago, uh, was living with her parents in between, and she happened to go to my gym at that morning and we kind of struck up a friendship from that point on and, you know, I pursued it and it was like, had I not been coaching there, had I not, had she not come back, you know, there's so many little things that you could just pick apart and just be like, well, had I not decided to do X, Y, or Z, 
I would have never been in your presence and there's probably no way that I would have ever met you. So when he's like, you know, we fell in love at an artist retreat and, you know, he's like, what if the same person that happened to like writing happened to be able to be good at giving you notes happened to also be from New York city happened to be blah, blah, blah was a different person than me altogether. Would you be married to that person? You know, and it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's the right time, the right opportunity and everything kind of aligns. And I think, I think definitely, um, you know, his his he doesn't i don't know how much he knows about her relationship with Haesung at that point i'm sure they are going to have a long conversation after this movie um but i think what's interesting is that could have easily been Haesung had he mm. just fucking flown out there now i'm not saying that they would have gotten married or or whatever but i think he represents the what if from her potential alternate life, right? And that's what this whole movie is about. It's about Inyun. It's about like, what are, what is your past life? And if you bump into somebody on the subway, were you married to that person, you know, in, in 1500 different timelines or, you know, whatever past lives, you know, they don't say timelines. This isn't a multiverse story, but th- I mean, that's very it much is. what this yeah, is. It is kind of a multiverse story. You're absolutely yeah. right. I was thinking that. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, you know, wow, we definitely probably would have been together. Would it have been great? Would it have been successful? Who the fuck knows? But, you know, it would have been, it would have most likely run its course. And I think that's what's so upsetting for her in so many ways is that he is, and I was telling her, you know, there's this idea of, because Erica was asking me, she was like, you know, do you wonder about like, what ifs of like different relationships? And I was like, Erica, that's very easy to think about that when you're not married. It's very easy when you're not tied, not tied down to fucking, this is going to be a citation. Um, anyways, uh, we're going to erase you know, that in post, right? No, there is no way. We're underlining it and bolding it in post. But, you know, when you're committed to someone, it is so much harder to think about the what ifs because you have something. But when you're single, yeah, when, you're when you're like... You're horny. Mm. <laughs> Don't just say but, when you're horny, mm, yeah. you fucking weirdo. <laughs> But I well, think I think I mean, that's 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 where she's at is like I'm I'm 36 now. I have a husband. Yeah, you are coming to visit and and they even have that conversation later like when she gets back from their first like, you know, foray. She's like, "Yeah, you called it. He's here just for me." Like he didn't come here to do anything else but to see me. Yeah. yeah. And and it was it, it's one of those things where even for Haesung, he's like, I don't like I I can imagine in his perspective, he's like, I don't want this just to be about her. Like, 
yeah, I'll go to New York fucking city. Like who doesn't <laughs> want to go to New York city? Like that sounds like a great vacation. Let you know, he's, he's by yourself. Yeah. And like, okay, I'll experience the city, but also like it sucks that it rains pretty much the entire time, except yeah. for when they're together. But also it's like, yeah, but I don't fucking know anybody in New York city. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to fucking dick around. So, you know, if there's this woman that I had this prior connection to that, I still feel a strong connection to. Yeah. I'm going to go hang out with her and, Oh, Hey, you're an artist, which means you don't have a nine to five. Let's go fuck around around together like this is perfect you know so okay oh, we pause for a minute oh sorry i sure. want you to finish your thought no i i just i just think it's interesting to think that like yeah he went there specifically for her but i don't think he he knew that ahead of time right just being fair to the character and being fair to the characterization that's kind of portrayed on screen i can see him being like well if if you know, she doesn't want to hang out with me. That's fine too. I'm still in New York city, but if she does, then this is great. Right. I think it's really interesting that he only goes to New York city because he broke up really with that other person. Um, yeah. He has it, a it, glimpse it, of, and he has a, mm-hmm. definitely had a connection with her. Like you could tell when they have that. So this is one th- thing that um, Celine song does an amazing job of showing those moments of connection and making it feel like authentic and real mm-hmm. and not some like cheap tawdry thing. She can capture it very quickly. And it's a really hard balance to do where it's really a connection. Um, and she does it in seconds with this girlfriend who we, I don't even know her name. Like if my life depended on it, I'd be shot. <laughs> like it, I'd nope. be done. But like, it's a very powerful moment when he like sits next to her and they connect. And then when he's away from her and they're broken up temporarily or not, we don't know why. Um, or we do. And I missed it. Um, but we like, do. that's the, Oh, what was it? So he basically explains that he has an ordinary job and that it is not enough for her because I believe he says he is a only child. So he can't marry someone and just have an ordinary job. He has to have like an exceptional job (laughs) and which, which I'm sure in like in his world, he's probably making, you know, like, close to six figures and he's like yeah you know it's 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 too ordinary and it's just like all right you you fucking settle down that's really sad but, um but yeah you got a lot and of so, guys feeling like they're inadequate in this movie yeah definitely you know i mean yeah and i think i think that's what's sad is that Crisis like that he seems happy yeah, he see he, he seems happy. He's able to afford a nice hotel, fly to New York. Um, it doesn't. I can't remember if they show. Apparently, him. he also hasn't looked in a mirror lately. Like, what, what, what do you mean? Because he's very hot. Like, I'm like, <laughs> why would you break yeah. up with that guy? He like, so yeah. That was actually what I was going to pause and say because I mean, if you haven't seen the movie and you are into K-dramas or you're into Korean dramas and you're he's not like the dreamy, dreamboat, androgynous um, kind of feminine guy. He's like, 
he's like, oh, hello, shoulders. Like he's very he like <laughs> he's, he like, is very masculine. Yeah, but he's, also, very thick. He's, he's very masculine, but he also like you can still see the little the acting's very good. You can still see the little boy, this shyness, this gentleness. Well, it's, it's his it's his the way he dresses. He tucks his shirt so in. Sweet. He's got a backpack on he's and he so puts sweet. his hands in his yes. pockets. And you're just like, you are a fucking 24 year old child right now like what is going on you know or 36 at that point adult looking man in the universe and you're right his demeanor is so like boyish yeah and i think i think that's one of the funniest things about it about this film is that she she even mentions kind of like she's like it's so weird because he was that boy and now he's just here. And in a way, I think they they intentionally did that where it's like, yeah, no, he's he's still kind of a boy. He's still inexperienced. He's still trying to find himself in a lot of ways. Like he hasn't lived that life yet, quite yet. Um, I don't think he's given himself permission yet because he's always kind of held on to uh, Nora. And, you know, I think I think this is I think most likely he goes back and he marries that girlfriend. Right. I so think, let me I ask think that's you something. Why uh-huh. do you think he started thinking? So this is, these are the questions I want to ask and the movie can never answer. Like I want to go through a parallel world. Why do you think when he was doing um, his required military stint, he started thinking of Nora? Like then um, he didn't think about him. her before that. Well, you can think about anything, right? And I'm sure he's seen other girls besides her, but no connection. So this must be the only woman in his, the 12 years that he had a connection with. And I just found that so interesting. I I think maybe she just represents what, what could have been right. And I think, I think it, 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 it also the way, I don't think we mentioned this, but the way that they leave each other is so heartbreaking because Mm. they, they always are like so nice to each other. So nice to each other. So nice to each other. And for whatever fucking reason, Na Young decides, no, I'm not going to tell this guy that I really like that we're immigrating, even though I know it until the last fucking day, like literally goodbye. I am going to America. And it's like the fuck like you, you're telling me this today. Literally how I found out my husband, which we weren't dating at the time, but like, we were in high school together and then one day it's like oh by the way uh we're moving to north carolina bye (laughs) that's crazy because when i was moving to houston from maryland there was like a month-long thing where people were like you know it might have even been more than that. i think i knew before the school year started so like Mm -hmm. the whole first half of my high school like my junior year of high school was people being like man it sucks you're leaving like oh you're leaving like you have to do this you're leaving it was like a two month long grand tour of everyone get right. this goddamn well, Brian in. And then not the best my part husband. is I left and then I started getting all these AIM instant messages from these girls that I'd known who are all like, Oh, it's so sad. You're gone. I really had a crush on you. And I was like, you had fucking yeah. like 17 years <laughs> to tell me that you definitely had at least the last month. Why am I only finding out about this now? 
Well, you know, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. They're you know? brave that's... because there are no consequences. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, exactly. right. well, that's the thing. It's like, Girls, oh, yeah, he's gone God now. damn it. Yeah, women are cowards. <laughs> um, that's why we love, no, this is why we love Backstreet Boys and Ken Doll, because they're just non-threatening. Mm-hmm. I got Ken you. has I got always you. seemed very threatening to me. That's a muscular man. Yeah, yeah, but he's Ryan Gosling. At least one of the Backstreet Boys is very dangerous looking. I like how you didn't say in sync though, which makes me think that J.C. Chazay is the most dangerous man of all. I I was never a boy band person. I'm just speaking in general. Yeah, I bet you were. Yep. Uh, I was was one of those kids that defined myself by hating boy bands and and dinosaurs and dinosaurs. dinosaurs. (laughs) <laughs> what was the what was i was gonna say something oh i don't know it was like 20 minutes ago and bill was talking about like thinking about all the people you might have been with or like the loves there might have been i was like there's a death cap for cutie song about that nice Where of they, course you would fucking know that think that and say that yeah it's uh <laughs> anyways I'll sit, and one, I'll sit and wonder about every love that could have been if i'd only thought of something charming to say that's a line um, that is anyways. stuck with me for my whole life because i do that all the time or it's just like man that one pretty girl that i saw that one time if only i'd said something who knows by the way she never actually tells him he overhears her when she's talking Correct. to their friends she she what never t- says that and thing. so on the way back because like i said they he walks her home every single day on the way back she he is like usually bouncing his basketball the whole way and like kind of chit chatting with her and they're having fun and blah, blah, blah. And the whole way back, he's just got the ball in his hands, not bouncing it, just being somber as fuck. Mm -hmm. And, and finally she turns to him on this step. She's about to go up to her house and she's like, I think she says something like what's wrong. And he just says, (laughs) I think he just says, bye. And you're just like, oh, oh, fuck. Like, this is the last thing you're going to say to this girl. And, you know, they had just gone on this little cute date and like done all this. And like, yeah. And so, yeah, I imagine like there's a little bit of him at 12 years old. That's like, what did I do to my best friend that I left it at that? And then she moved off to America and now like you know, 12 years later, you know, he's, he's still kind of like, Hmm, I, I do wonder what happened to that girl. I do wonder, you know, if we'd still be friends and, and all of this. She um, sounds like a real sociopath. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know why, just, I don't know why she did that, but so it's, I, it's do. Just one that, okay. I do. She didn't want to tell him because it yeah. was hard for her as well. And so they kind of just don't talk about it. Like, yeah, I mean Man, it's it's sure little kid shit, right? Not Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 little kid shit, right? It's like it's like this is the most devastating thing to ever happen in my life. I'm gonna leave this guy that like I I could potentially see at 12 years old, Robin having a life with beti- having a life with, like getting married to, and like I, I, you know, it's leaked out. You know, yeah, I'm leaving for America tomorrow, but like, no, I I can't say goodbye to this guy. And then he's just like, well, fuck you then. And he's just like, oh, shit. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think. I don't know, I, I think I think that's a very cute way of like. For for a 
relationship to kind of end and then be like, what did I do? And, and why did I do it like that? And, you know, that's, that's the stupid shit you kind of want to take back when you're, when you're older, you know, even if it didn't mean like getting into a relationship with that person down the road or whatever, but it's just like, wow, I was a, a real jerk that right there. Like, why did I do that? You know? See, I didn't read it as him being a jerk, although I don't necessarily think you're wrong per se. I sort of read it as neither of them could really address the situation because like they don't have the words to describe mm-hmm. how they're feeling. It's too big. Um, and you're right. Like, I think in their heads, although, okay, so I'm very torn about this. So I think in their heads, they're like, we're together, even though they don't say the words and they don't know what that means and whatever. But you're right. Like, I do think in their own heads, this is their, you know, soulmate or whatever. Um, and this is how they feel. And so they just don't have the words. So it's just like completely messed up. Um, way to say goodbye, but it's sort of like this unspoken, they know, like neither of them are angry at the other for the way they say goodbye. And they know that this is, you know what I mean? Later, There's never a moment later in the film where either of them say like, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do sure, that? Sure. They completely, I feel like they are on the same page and understanding that it's beyond them. There's nothing they can say. There's nothing they can do. And so it's just, we saw what made her sulk. And now we saw what made him sulk and she's sulking less. So in a way he dodged a bullet, but in another way, like, you know, it's what else do you say in that situation? And that's why for me, the ending is really powerful. Okay. So I'm going to bring in something that has nothing to do with this film, but it'll come back around. I promise. So like, you know how, like when you're a vampire in a movie and like you kind of mourn the human that you were, um, mm-hmm. and but you're it's not that you don't want to be a vampire, you're not happy to be a vampire, but there's like sort of this outrage because this big part of you died and you got killed by this person that you're also like attracted to. So there's like this mixture. And so that last scene at the end of the movie reminded me of that when she's just so upset because I don't didn't feel like she was necessarily upset that she was parting from him as much as this and she's not upset about the decisions she's made and she didn't want to stay there she's upset because a part of her has died and she can like feel that and that parallel scene where the intercutting the editing's really great there where they choose to parallel like she's sort of in the same position but lower down like across from instead of higher up than um than um Sung. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. in the original scene for those who are listening who want to be spoiled and haven't seen the movie when they're partying um, at the school she's going up these outdoor steps um, on a street and he's like still walking like kind of straight ahead it's like the two roads diverging on a path except one is a staircase so it's sort of like ascending to heaven I'm not saying that Celine meant this but this is how I read it like ascending to heaven <laughs> it's sort of like ascending to heaven she's like dying and she's moving away from him and she's like untouchable and she's no longer a part of his world and then they're both on the same level in New York City and that crying that Nora goes through, I feel like she was not mourning. It had nothing to do with him. It was this death. Like, yes, I had to be who I am and I had to kill that part of me. Um, And just that mourning and acknowledgement of that like death that she did sort of murder herself um, by being willing to take that step and go away from him. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I guess we can just fully go ahead and spoil the ending, Brian. If I'm sure you're probably like, tell me what happens <laughs> by this yeah, point because we, we spoiled know, tell me, so much. Give a shit. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they uh, 
Nora and Haesung have, uh, you know, spend the day together kind of walking around New York City, doing a bunch of tourist shit, um, probably having some street food, as you do, um, all this other shit. Um, and they even end up uh, going to Ellis Island or taking a ferry by Ellis Island. I don't think they actually go on to the Statue of Liberty. Um, and it's funny because... They, she gets back. She tells her husband, "Yeah, he's definitely here just to see me." Um, and the next day, he's got an early flight. The day after, so the next day, she's like, "Hey, you're coming to our place. You can drop off your luggage, and we're gonna go, you know, have a night together. Like you, me, and my husband. Like let's let's break this out. Let's let's not do this anymore. You know." And uh, her husband speaks a little bit of Korean, um, as you do when you you know marry an immigrant woman. You kind of you know nice thing to do. Learn their language, um, and so. He says a couple of words in Korean and uh, Sung's kind of impressed and he speaks broken English back to him. And, you know, they're like, OK, cool. Uh, so where do you want to go? And they go eat pasta together together because that's what Song wants. And the whole time they're at this bar, they are kind of talking to each other. It's it's Song, It's Nora. And then it's John Magaro. Um, why? Why I can't remember his name and Arthur, uh, dude. Dude. <laughs> and so it's the three of them at a bar table. So they're you know Nora's in the middle of it, and Nora and Haesung are kind of talking to each other in Korean because that's obviously the most easy language for Haesung to talk to Nora with. And Nora's kind of loosely translating. And then it kind of the camera kind of pulls in. This goes on for, you know, a couple of minutes and the camera kind of pulls in. And it's very much like, no, just Haesung and Nora are talking back and forth, back and forth. It's very much in Korean, no longer translating for, you know, poor Arthur. And um it's it's awkward it's very very awkward it's it's very noticeable that like okay or arthur's just like yeah i have no fucking idea and at, at a certain point he's like what, what am i gonna say no stop talking to the friend that you haven't seen in physicality in 24 years he flew halfway across the world to come see you like what am i gonna say like do i be the dick do i just be like i'm leaving like what do i do here and it doesn't last long enough for him really to make a decision either way and so she goes to the bathroom and he basically says like we're going to stop talking in Korean to each other. I'm sorry, this is awkward. And also during that conversation, he says to her, uh, to Nora, I hate that I like your husband so much. Yeah. Or no, he says, I didn't realize it would hurt so much that I like your husband. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, fuck, dude. Like he's he's being you know acquiescent in certain ways and all of this stuff he's basically saying all the right things right doing all the right things and trying not to be the one that's like putting himself in the middle of this 
Um, but he can't help but be the person that, you know, they're trying to reconnect in this way. Anyways, so it's probably, you know, 3 a.m., something like that. And finally, Sung has to go. And so he's calling an Uber. And oh, they go back to their place. Yeah, they go back so to their place. After the bar, which is in the opening scene and revisited by the end, they go back to um, Nora and her husband's place mm-hmm. to call the Uber or Lyft or whatever. And then they go down. So it's a brownstone in Brooklyn. And they go down. And then there's like this long tracking shot as they're walking down the street between Sung and Nora, kind of reminiscent of when they were kids. And then when the car comes... The camera stays on Nora and then traces her going back to her husband and he just holds her while she's crying. But I mean, what he says during that moment is they sit there for a cup, like just long enough. It's and I heard Celine song talking about this in an interview where they she kind of made the time up. She was like, they're going to have to sit here. Nora and Haesung looking at each other, waiting for this Uber to arrive because they walk to the spot a little bit too soon, but it's not long enough for them to kind of break their awkward silence, but it's just long enough for it to be awkward. And I think mm-hmm. it's about three minutes and they're kind of like looking at each other, kind of like about to say something. And finally he's getting into the cab. He turns around and he says, what if what we're currently living in is one of our past lives? Yes. As in, like, what if this is another alternate reality? What do you think we would be? But and also, it's a promise that maybe in the future we do get married. Because yeah. this is just one of the, like, Inyun moments. Mm-hmm. And so she she says she doesn't know. And he says, basically, he doesn't know either. And then gets in the cab and leaves. And then that, like, she has this long walk back to her husband and, like, slowly starts to break down. And you start to realize, like, yeah, that's, that is kind of him saying what neither of them have said to this point, which is, you know, what if this would have been something? What if this was a different situation? What if, you know, all of these other things um, it could have been? But, you know, very much he's going back to Korea and she's going back to her husband in New York City. So um, I don't know. I don't think but they can connect again in another 12 years. I don't think so either. I think, it, like over. I said, I think, I think Sung is, he's, he's put that behind him and now he's going to go marry his hot Chinese wife and, <laughs> you know, they're going to have 15 kids or something. You know, it's funny because I saw this movie uh, several weeks ago. It was playing at a film festival where I live and uh, it was the IFF Boston, Sarah. And, oh, yeah. you know, Bill, I think you saw it more recently and a lot of these little scenes or little sequences that you're describing of their connection or disconnection. I don't remember as much. I don't know if that's maybe because the movie just didn't stick with me as emotionally, but you know, the the things that you're describing that were so impactful for you, these little, these little snippets of dialogue, I just, I can't, I have a hard time reaching back into my own past to recall them. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that's a, Maybe this is just like my personal taste coming through where I don't 
really respond to stories about fate or fatalism or romance. Like there are some romance movies. Maybe. I mean, I, we talked a little bit about sausage earlier before the podcast. Yes. And (laughs) the food, the food. I will bring this back to sausage. (laughs) Um, So, you know, somebody that I was chatting with uh, over Instagram, you know, she was saying that she couldn't eat some of the foods that, that I ate during my trip. And during my trip, I tried lots of things I've never tried before things that maybe some people would find morally distasteful because like to eat a puffin is. That's how I was about to say, what did you eat like a human? Like what happened? <laughs> no, <laughs> no what she did was she ate a baby bird. She put a towel over it and then right, smashed it in the ordalon. head. And then, yeah, yeah ordalon. let's just say I would try Ortolan if it came to me, but I wouldn't go out of my way to find it. She ate a live octopus. Uh, no, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't not eaten anything live, but I I ate a horse steak. I ate some bear. Huh? I ate puffin. Okay. I ate all okay. of those things. That... I think the only one that would really bother people would be the horse. Maybe me too. I don't think I could do a yeah, horse. Yeah, but like like horses. Do the like, horse. I don't. Give a a, a lot of like... a, a lot of like there's a lot of horses out there, man. Like They're really I don't know. smart. Aren't they smart? I don't know. You are Texan, so. Yeah, well, but pigs are, are very not smart. As smart as pigs. Pigs exactly. are yeah. very smart. Yeah, but and I feel and really they are bad about so that. delicious. They're and so, and so I, eat, I eat the fuck out of pigs. I know, yeah. me too. It's horrible. Oh, I love so pigs. I, well, I Robin, you said you've never eaten anything alive, but here's a question Have you ever eaten yogurt? All right, shut up. <laughs> 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 I have never eaten uh, something that had face that was also <laughs> alive at the time. A microscopic face. Jesus, come on, Robin. Mm, I don't know if you could describe like a micro. The front end is not a face. Yeah, it's to me some things <laughs> Says really you. define what a face is. But Jeez. okay, so my point I'll is, look up I was what talking a face is so we can <laughs> Google face. Anatomically, what is a face? Hold on, Mister Rogers test. Well, isn't isn't there like a whole cartoon about like uh the like the snot guy or whatever like. Like the green green gob blob guy, I thought there was the there's like a whole show <laughs> and there's like a whole movie about what? like some some amoeba guy. No, are you talking about like Osmosis uh, Jones? Yes, Osmosis Joe. Oh. There we go. Like, come on, he got a face, man. Mm. Movies are definitely real life. Um, yeah. So the the whole point of me bringing this up is I was having this <laughs> conversation with this woman. And she was just like, yeah, I could, I don't think I could eat this or that. And I was just like, maybe I have a chip missing. I just don't feel like eating a cow is any less sacred than eating a horse. Like, like why is a horse more worthy of life than a cow? I don't know. Useful. Okay. But we're not talking about like cultural materialism here. Yeah. That's a very specific you're talking about like a very specific branch of like belief in why we eat certain things over others. And and I'm not talking about the anthropology of food. I'm just saying, I don't see a moral difference between like eating a whale and eating a chicken. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a whale is endangered. So by eating one whale, you've significantly depends on the whale. Decreased the not all whales are endangered anyway. Yeah, I wonder about the orcas right now. I know. Orcas don't eat an orca. 
<laughs> so I was talking with her and I was just like, maybe I have a chip missing. And she's like, oh, you 100% have a chip missing. Like that is nah. what you are special. This is what she wrote to me. And well, I, okay. Okay. Well, it, I don't think that I don't think that proves that you're special, but she may also know you a little bit better and may, may go on to actually. No, I think this. she was being a little glib, you know, but it was a okay. funny comment. It wasn't like uh whatever. And I think what I'm trying to relay here is that I do not see things the way most people see them. And so that's maybe I have a chip missing and that's why I could not fall in love with this movie. And I could not fall in love with the, the essence of romanticism here. So Robin, let me make you feel better. As much as it's resonating with me and I'm talking about it when I was in the movie theater, I was checking my watch a lot. Like, I, okay, I, I do feel a little bit better. Because I enjoyed it, and I saw what I liked about it, but I wanted it to be maybe like a hot hour and 15 minutes, a hot hour and a half. It went a little long for me. The longing and the meditation and the meditative pacing. Yeah. At some points, I was like, ah, uh, like, can we, <laughs> can we speed this up a little? Because... You know, I have things to do. And I was also still (laughs) meditating on like Asteroid City. And I wasn't like in like, so for me, okay, I'm going to say the most callous part of all. So on one hand, as a person who was brought up in a fundamentalist world, I love that the mother is like, let her have a romance. On the other hand, as a human being, why did you torture these children and let them wonder about the life they could have had and get them all connected and encourage this connection? Knowing you were gonna break it up, you fucking asshole! Why would you yeah, do that? She, she she even mentioned it to the mom. <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, we're we're moving," and you're just like, "The fuck!" Like, right. uh, how how close is this? How how soon is this? And then like the next scene is is Bye. her like leaving. <laughs> and she's like, so at least fuck? you had that kid. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. Look, so every kid needs an experience that haunts them into adulthood. <laughs> Well, and 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 the other thing guy at the railroad tracks it's falling in love with your best friend and then getting away from them and and the other thing is oh by the way i'm gonna change my daughter's name but you mother of that son don't need to fucking know that and you the the son don't need to know that bye and just like yeah but they also live in a world where their kids would never have found each other again like there's this is no true. This is true. Who you know grew up in the seventies or earlier but ever remember, thought that they could have ever. But remember found each when other. you're like a kid, you lie and you say we'll write each other, we'll do this, we'll do that. Yeah, that's fucking true. lie. You lie. So like you get the address, you lie about how you're gonna stay in touch. You're never gonna stay in touch. Oh, I, and- <laughs> I had a bunch you're of you're, you're, like your your New York accent just came. I know. So much. I, I did it deliberately. It. You, I did okay. it deliberately. <laughs> I knew you were from New York. I could hear it. Here's the funny thing. I actually don't have an accent when I'm just talking. But I know. Sometimes, neither do I. And yeah, no, when mine, I, mine comes out but, mostly when I'm angry. So like yeah. when I'm driving, I, it, I become a full yeah. on Queens boy. I do it for the jokes. I do it mm-hmm. for the jokes. You do it I for do the it memes. For the I do it. 
I do do it. So that's for you guys. You should feel special. Excellent. Thank it's you. Like, we'll no, we'll highlight on, that. That'll be was, another citation. If you ever need to know if Sarah is is actually from Brooklyn, there we go. No, no, Manhattan. I'm not going to pose. Okay. I'm not a poser. Oh, a poser. wow. You're okay. better than us bridge and tunnel folk. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Was dirt bag Long Islanders. So exactly. I was I was on vacation <laughs> and I was playing a game with my my brother-in-law and and the kids and everything and he was trying to give his son who's like 16 advice as to like how to do well in the game but they're playing in opposition to one another. And so his son is like not believing him. He's like no dad's trying to like you know sabotage me. And out of nowhere I just busted up Liam, Liam, your father just wants what's best for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing so like I'm a, so for the folks out there, I'm a lawyer. And whenever I got a judge in so I work, I practice in Massachusetts. And whenever I got a judge with a New York, New York accent, especially if it was like from the Bronx. Oh, my heart. It was like going home. How can yeah. you be comfortable <laughs> in a courthouse that yeah. way? I loved it. It was just the best. I just love it. There's some accents that just take you home. Oh, my goodness. If I saw a blue and white paper mug, I think I would cry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so like, oh. I actually, I bought those blue and white paper mugs for I my distillery. I was just going to say. When we, it was it. like a winter, and I was like, we need hot service mugs for the spiked hot chocolate we're serving. And it's I bought perfect. the we are happy to serve you. Ah, oh, my childhood. I know. I, I, it's nice. so beautiful. I, my partner Arthur's just like, what the fuck is this? I was like, how can you not recognize this? You've watched Law and Order, haven't you? Right. You know, every I time I see a TV show or a movie that has one in it, I take a picture and send it to him. And I'm like, look, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a running gag now. Yeah, That's 100%. Yeah. Well, Robin, it's funny, you know, you mentioned like you didn't you didn't quite connect to it and you didn't quite remember it and and stuff like that. But also if if I don't remember or if I don't recall correctly, uh I, I think I'm fucking that up. Anyways, uh you said that you were also seeing this at a film festival. Right. right? Yeah. Right. So, so you, you saw like eight thousand movies. No, okay. no, no, so no, no, you, no, no, no. I that was the only movie I saw at the film festival. Ah, uh, you son of a bitch. Then you're yeah. just not paying attention. Well, no, I mean, if it didn't resonate <laughs> with you, like I'll be honest, like a lot of it was it also depends on like the conditions of the theater. Um, for me, it was very disruptive theater. It wasn't that bad, but like everyone wanted to like stand very close to me because I had like really awesome seats and they kind of wanted were hoping that like mm. they could just like, you know, it was one of those assigned seating places and everyone was so when I got there, someone was in my seat and I was like, You gotta go. And then that's <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> and then um, I said it very nicely. Oh, I think you're in my seat. So um, and then another person was standing and I went, excuse me, are you in the seat next to me? And he said, no. And he said, what row it was clearly not my row. And I said, you're over there. And he's like, thanks for the help. He was so clearly like trying to figure out like, <laughs> do I just sit right next to this person? I don't know. Or do I like go to my seat? Go to your seat. So <laughs> I made sure he went. So it was like distracting for that reason. Um, you know, I could tell that the audience really loved it. I have a cold heart. I just was not into the romance. I was like, let's speed this up. You wouldn't. So my theory is if they had gotten together, they would have broken up fairly early because she would have been annoyed by him. 
Um, and she, he, she, you know, he wouldn't want more and she'd be trying to push him to want more and like come with her and everything. And that's just not who he is. And that's not just who, who she was. And so it actually worked out that they didn't get together, but you know, I'm a cynical bitch. So, but also most people don't marry the person that they exactly. had like, crush on when they were 12. Yeah. Right. And 50% of all marriages end in divorce. So maybe we're right. doing it wrong. Maybe if we did marry the person we fell in love with when we were 12, everything would be fine. Oh my God, the Catholic is coming out. Okay, so I am 100% the type of person who's probably still in some small way in love with everyone I've ever been in love with. So yeah, this movie sounds like it's right now. No, not a lot. Blah. I Except will tell my you. ex because yeah, I was just still gonna say you're in, in love with her. Well, so here's the thing: because most of them I don't talk to anymore, so they could be like a racist heroin addict, and like in my head, they're still like the pretty vivacious girl I knew at 17. I have to see my fucking ex all the time and yeah, see no the way illusions. that her life is falling apart. Does she pay her... child support? Oh fuck no, she hasn't paid her child support in like well over a year. She owes mm. me literally tens of thousands of dollars. Jesus. I don't know. Maybe this is the one thing I'll cut out because it's <laughs> that feels very specific. Oh, man. Sarah's a child. Uh, I used to be. Yeah. I used to do child support in yeah, back in, in the heart. day. Yeah, it, it, it was, it's something I loved very deeply and was committed. I Okay, so if you want a romance, it's work with me. I'm really in it. So I was dedicated my life to this area of law, I thought. <laughs> and, you know, and then eventually I just had to move on because it was getting too easy and too hard at the same time. Mm. Well, Robin, it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, maybe you're just dead inside and stuff like that. Because I didn't that's... say that! <laughs> no, that's me. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, and and you know your reaction to this kind of movie, and it, it's so funny because Erica oftentimes says the only time I cry is at a movie. That's it. Like mm. I, in in real life, like I full on applied to be a firefighter multiple times. I went through all this kind of training and stuff like that because I know the way that I react to a lot of like you know, traumatic things and, and all of this stuff is just like not the way other people do. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, like even when we've had arguments and like, you know, fights and stuff like that with our relationship, like on the line seemingly and stuff like that, like, I just, I don't, I don't really get emotional in that way. And, you know, it's rare for me to cry at anything outside of a movie, but for whatever reason, movies just like, you know, like I think Wally, I think I cried like five times in like, you know, it's just like the fuck. Oh, Wally. Oh, forget it. That's like a tragedy. (laughs) I actually have made a rule not to watch those kind of movies because they're too devastating for me. I'm like, I can never watch another animated film again. I can't do this. But but she it's it's full on like <laughs> like a thing now where she just kind of like makes fun of me. She's like, are you boohooing? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm boohooing. Like, what the <laughs> fuck do you want from me? And, yeah, but you need yeah, your catharsis. So, you need your catharsis. I, do, I okay. don't know what it is, but movies, I'll, I'll, movies just hit me in that way. Theory? I would yeah. like to posit a theory. So I also have that thing. Like I have cried at the most mundane little pieces of shit in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I cr- oh, 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 wait, you're going the opposite direction. Okay. No, 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 no. Mundane I, shit. 
no, I'm saying just hear me out. So okay. I have cried at things that felt personally devastating to me that were probably fairly minor, but like did not cry a ton, you know, when my mom died, for example. And I think what makes crying at the movies common is that the stakes are just different than real life. In real life, the things that would otherwise traumatize us can be so affecting that you almost have to shut yourself off a little bit to be able to survive them. Oh, yeah. Real life has com- complexities that a simple story in a movie does not have. So those those things, those, you know, a dog dying or whatever, like uh, in a movie screen, like oh, that can trigger it. you because you don't have to deal with the context of like a real life situation like that. It It is cathartic precisely because the stakes do not impact your life at all. Mm. So, so in a way, like you're crying about something that isn't actually affecting your life, but that's, that's why you're crying is because you're kind of getting that emotional release out. I think so. That's, that's at least like to me, it's one a safe aspect space of it. It's a safe space. Yes. It's a safe. I will say space to I, get those emotions if out. I can run off what you're saying, I think there's sort of like this Venn diagram of like, the thing is triggering an emotion that is similar to the emotion that you've been suppressing, but it's in a roundabout way that you don't realize that's the emotion that's being triggered in that moment. But if you explored it and really teased it out later on, like, why do I consistently cry at this? You would figure out the thing that you have an issue with and it would It's like tarot cards. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure, but like, it, for me, that is, I know. So there was a movie, which I am not recommending for this very reason, because if you don't want to be traumatized, there's like one scene with a dog and it was so horrible. <laughs> I was just like, Wait, what movie? It was synchronic. So I really love the director, um, Justin Benson. And um, oh, yeah. What's the other guy's name? I'm forgetting it. I'm blanking. Aaron, Moore, Moorhead? Aaron yes, Moorhead? Aaron something? Moorhead. So Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And I don't even actually like, I don't think it's one of their best movies at all. Um, so I'm not recommending it. But there is one scene with a dog and time travel. I was done. I was like, I don't even like this movie. And I had to talk, I just had to explore it like for 8,000 years to figure out what is that about? Like, why was I so, I was devastated. And then that, and then the Game of Thrones dragon dying. I hmm. was wailing. Which my one? Ca- uh, don't, don't, two of them die. And then, and right. then there's another one if the you watch the new, s- new the show. First, I didn't watch the new show because I'm like, okay. that show. The one, the one that turns into the first the, one, yeah. yes, yes. The yes, one that yes, turns yes. into the white dragon. I was like, like if I had sackcloth on, I would have rendered it. Um, <laughs> my cats come running in the room because at the time I had two. My mom comes running in the room. What happened? Are you okay? I am a wailing. And I'm like, the dragon died. And my mom's like, oh my God, I'm out. And the cats are there like comforting me. <laughs> and my mom, and everyone's like, I'm like, I know it's a fictional animal and this is stupid. You know, <laughs> like, you don't think I know that? I'm not stupid. You know, like, like, <laughs> like I just lose it. I have all the emotion in the world. And I figured out it was back to some sort of painful childhood memory that was also embedding my helplessness as a child 
but I had put it onto this one event and something that happened to an animal in my life. And I was like, and actually ever since then, I do get upset when animals die on screen, but not as upset because now I understand the level of helplessness that an animal feels and that I see on screen. Um, and then just the absolute tragedy of it was the helplessness that I was willing to feel sorry for outside of myself and externalized, but never had acknowledged in myself the helplessness of a child. Therapy 101, you're welcome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I realized that was what was going on and I've been able to handle animals in danger a little bit better, but I still try to avoid it because I really don't need that kind. Like I'm the kind of person that like, you know, because of my old job, you know, like a guy with a gun might like say to me, like, I own a gun and you ruined my life. And I'd be like, whatever, I don't care. Like, you know, like, what are you going to do? If you're going to do something, you just shoot me. What are you, um, you going to shoot me about it? <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, if you're a person who's never followed through on everything and you're talking about your gun, you're not going to shoot me. So, um, so I'm not worried about that. But again, I don't need... To be triggered, I've got plenty of things going in on in my life, so I try to avoid that in movies just because I can't deal with animals dying, even though I can handle it. So, so you're you are saying you are a purveyor of does the dog die.com? Oh my god, yes. And then when I watch movie, <laughs> yes, when I watch a movie <laughs> from the and past. I and when I see an animal on it, I'm like, son of a bitch, I forgot to look it up. <laughs> this animal so, better not die. There was a time we used to have yeah, we used, we used to have, have a, a running joke. Where we would go on does the dog die dot org or com or whatever, and we would play the does the dog die game where we would just be like, All right, now we've all seen the movie. Let's see what the fine folks at Does the Dog Die. And so <laughs> and, and like, oftentimes it would it would be around a film that had no dogs, no animals right. at all. And, and it was just like okay. The, the best was that like there was that one question that became like every a single mind time puzzle because it was does the film does not the dog have a happy ending? Oh and yeah. Then, well, people, yeah. And people would just be like Wait, do I answer yes because it does or do I answer no because it doesn't not? And right. I was like, look, I don't know. Untangling the syntax is part of the game. Yes. Right. And and we would always puzzle over it every single time like it was a brand new question and we'd just be so confused. I don't I know used, when we so stopped doing that. Probably when, when we started getting to two hours without it. I got to tell you, when I see an animal in a movie, I'm like, God, ah. like I'm just like, Am I going to have to steal myself and be a professional? I will say Guardians of the Galaxy got me. I was going to ask. Three. I was like, Jeez. so how did you handle it Guardians got, of the I Galaxy didn't, Volume So three? when I was in the theater, it was a packed theater. Everyone's like bawling their eyes out. And for, for the record, I've been going to the movies. Not I waited a while before, during the whole pandemic thing. I waited a long time before going back. And then when I went back, all the Marvel movies have had sparse audiences. This is the first one that felt reminiscent of seeing a Marvel movie, I will say. When I was, and I was in general pop, I was not at a screening. And um, so I had a talk with myself. I said, You should have known this was going to happen. Number one. Yeah, you've seen the trailers. Right. You should have. Well, no, I actually didn't. I avoid trailers oh. before I see a movie. So okay. I was uh, like, uh, Number one, if you gave it even a moment thought, you could have figured out that, you know, Rocket, hello, this is going to happen. So, number one, you should have known better. Number two, you could cry tomorrow. You could cry after the movie. You're not crying now. Because otherwise, you're going to get the dragon all over again. I'm wailing in the theater. Everyone thinks I'm dead. <laughs> so no one can watch the movie. So I did that. 
And the minute I got home, I started crying. And then the next day, off and on all day, as I'm like writing my own like self-indulgent review for my website. Yes, if you want self-indulgent long reviews that are meandering, my website is where you want to go. And <laughs> plug so it, I'm, plug it. What's the yes, website? It is called Sarah G. Vincent Views.com. Sarah G. Vincent Views.com. Sarah of an H, S A R A H G as in Grace. That's my middle name. And Vincent like Van Gogh, V I N C E N T. Van Gogh, like Van Gogh, the artist, the painter, Starry Night. <laughs> so Sarah G. Vincent Views, V I E W S dot com, S A R A H G V I N C E N T, V I E W S dot com. Yes, Vincent Views was taken when I was looking for a domain name. So I, I'm writing it and all day long on Sunday, I'm just crying and crying and crying. And then I cried a little more later on because first of all, it wasn't just the animal thing. I love Rocket. Like I love Rocket. Like I was ready to die for Rocket first movie. And then every single movie, as he's talking about like these little tidbits of his life, again, I will die for Rocket. Like if Rocket came Is up to me. Is that the raccoon? Yes. yes. Okay. Really, Robin? I <laughs> Robin? Robin's like, who's Vincent Van Gogh? <laughs> okay. No. Uh, okay. Let me, let me bring this one. back. Let me bring this back to the movie we so that way we can, oh, wait, let, we can let Robin Robin off the hook. But there is a scene yeah, when go. <laughs> Nora is uh, having this conversation with her husband and they are both brushing their teeth and Nora is brushing the teeth at a sink, at a bathroom sink, and her husband is brushing his teeth in a kitchen sink that is like catty corner to the bathroom yes. sink and i was just like that is a fucking new york apartment right there so, like yeah. i was like i was like holy shit you don't have separate like sinks there's there's not like a bigger bathroom that no that's not the guest bathroom oh okay all right i see what this is yeah, i was like wow they're You're done. yeah they're on top of each other so yeah they're lucky they have two sinks you know? <laughs> exactly. they're, lucky they got, they're lucky the bathroom isn't the kitchen yeah they're lucky the shower isn't the kitchen like, <laughs> uh, all right on that note let's get the fuck out of here yeah all right well, no dogs die okay. thank you guys <laughs> oh yeah was about to say, were there dead dogs no there were no <laughs> animals harmed in the production of this film there were no <laughs> animals in this film i don't think there was yeah, gotta be a pigeon so. right I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it showed New York. So this is New York. Uh, anyway. So, yes. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, Sarah, thank you for being our guest. Remember. Thank you. Absolutely. Remember, everyone, to go and read about us on Twitter. That's not how you say that. Follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcastfilmstage.com. Don't forget to go to uh, patreon.com slash Show to give us your money. And uh, don't forget to go to MUBI.com slash Filmstage for a free 30 trial where you can watch Solar's Point right now. It's awesome. Check it out. And uh, I think that's it. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Well, I think we're doing Dial of Destiny, but now I don't know. Oh, it's up in the air. I don't oh, know. we're going to be Brian talking about up in the air? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I love that That would movie. be an interesting classic to do. Um but anyway, no, I, I think we're talking about Dial of Destiny unless something changes. All right. So dial it in here next week. It's your destiny. All right. I've done it. Um, That's all for today. <laughs> Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we're shouting up in their ears. 
Uh, we begin with our guest, Sarah. Where can people find all your work online? Uh, you could go to Cambridge Day. You could go to sarahgvincentviews.com. I'm on Twitter at B-I-N-C-E-N-S-G. And uh, yeah, you can find me there. All right. Bill Thank Graham. you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KBillBFG, but as always, I do not tweet much. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram, uh, posting photos of smoked meats and my puppy doggies. Um, and then you can always find me on the Slack channel as well, mixing it up. All right. Robin Barr. You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, also on Letterboxd, and I sometimes write for The Hollywood Reporter, so you can find my work there. I just did a review of uh, the Sex and the City sequel, and just like that, I also did a review oh of the Cindy Lauper doc, uh, Let the Canary Sing, and yeah, there's just, you know, some fun stuff coming up, so. Nice. Nice. Uh, as for me, uh, you can find uh, me on all the social media sites at Brian J. Rowan. Um, you can also go to my personal site, brianjerone.com, where nothing has changed in the last six months. Uh, go to inkwellwhiskey.com to learn more about the whiskey I make. And, of course, you can find everything I've written for the film stage over at thefilmstage.com, where you can also find every single episode of this year's podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. <laughs>